Thank you. Let's take God's Word together this evening and turn to the New Testament book of Luke, if you would, Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, I'm glad you're with us tonight and hope you've come expecting to hear from God. That's why we meet, and I hope you believe that. Luke chapter 17, we come to an interesting account. The life of Jesus Christ is recorded for us in the four gospel records, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And sometimes they record some of the same events. Sometimes they record events that others do not. Somebody once described it like this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are recording the same things from different perspectives. And the story that is recorded before us today is found only here in Luke chapter 17. But it's one that is of great importance, and I want to draw your attention to it, and I believe God has something for you in it tonight. Luke 17, beginning in verse number 11. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word tonight. I want to talk about this short account given to us, a true story of ten men who were lepers, all ten of them being healed, only one of them being made whole. I want you to recognize a couple of things, interesting observations, if you would please. The scriptures tell us in verse number 12 that as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. Now, many of us tonight are familiar with what leprosy was. Somebody once said, I do not know that there was any disease worse than leprosy, any disease that was had in that day that was worse than this one. I won't go into too many details because you've heard them before, I'm sure, but leprosy was a disease where literally your body began rotting and appendages were to rot right off of you whilst you continued living. Fingers and noses and ears and things would fall off. It's a terrible disease of sores that were constantly seeping. They were putrefying and it was an extremely contagious disease, so much so that if you caught leprosy, you had to be separated from your society, your community, your family, and you had to live a certain distance outside of town 
in a colony where only lepers lived. Can you imagine being confined to a particular place of living where only people who had the same, same disease, which was fatal, there was no cure for leprosy. If you got leprosy, you knew you were going to die. There was nothing doctors could do, nothing you could do. It was fatal. Would you look this way for a moment tonight? That is the same condition of every man's soul. Every human being tonight may not have leprosy of their body, but they have it of the soul. Every human being, and you may think yourself to be better than other people. You may think yourself to be not so bad as others, but the truth is you have the same condition as everybody else. And look this way, it is a fatal condition. It's interesting. You could look at five. All ten of these men were probably at different stages in their leprosy. Maybe one of the men only had a slight mark or two on his arms. But nonetheless, it was leprosy, and give it enough time, he would look as bad as the tenth man who had lost all of his fingers and ears and nose. All of those things had rotted off, and he was only days from death. They were all in the same boat, although some looked a little bit better than others. And you might look around a tent like this, and or you might look around society and find people who look outwardly and visibly more sinful and worse of a human being than you. And you might even judge them. And you might even consider yourself to be better because you're not involved in their behavior. Maybe you're not a drug addict. Maybe you're not a drunkard. Maybe you're not an adulterer or a fornicator or a murderer. But make no mistake about it. Your soul is just as black as theirs. Unless you've been born again. This is the condition of every lost man tonight. Outcasts cut off from communion with other clean, whole people, physically rotting, but we sp spiritually rotting. The Bible says they lifted up their voice. I want you to recognize something very interesting here. There was absolutely nothing that these men could do to change their condition. Let me tell you tonight, there is nothing you can do to save your soul. You and I are sinners of the worst kind, of the darkest hue, and there's nothing we can do to cleanse ourselves. I'm sorry, I've tried. I don't know about you, but I've tried. You can tell yourself a million times, one million days in a row, that you're not going to sin today, and before you get halfway through the morning, you've messed up already. There's nothing you can do to change yourself. Despite what society tells you. Despite what the world says. Hey, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Turn over a new leaf. Get your best life now. In spite of what the world tells you, you cannot change yourself. No self-help program. No rehabilitation center. Nothing on earth can change the reality of your heart and soul were hopelessly and helplessly lost. These lepers were hopelessly and helplessly condemned to live a miserable existence 
and then to die a horrible death. That was the truth of every leper. And do you know that's the truth about every one of us? Sinners. Condemned to live a miserable existence and die a horrible death. But these men heard that Jesus was coming. These men who could not change themselves and could not heal themselves, and these men who knew that no doctor on earth could ever change them, they heard that a man named Jesus Christ was passing by, and they believed that he could do something about it. I wonder tonight, do you believe that Jesus Christ can change you? Now, it's interesting, they couldn't get near to him because of their uncleanness. And do you know tonight that your sins have separated you from God and you cannot get near to God tonight because of your sins? But they believed and hoped that if he just heard their voice, that if their voice could only reach him, although they couldn't get there physically, they believed that if their voice would just make its way to their to his ears, that he might do something about it. Now, my friend, that is faith. My friend, tonight, that is exactly what God is looking for. That is exactly what God is looking for from you. God knows that you in your own sinfulness and brokenness can never get to God, but he wonders if perhaps you believe that your voice if your voice is heard, that God would do something about it. I'm encouraged to think about these men. They believed a few things. Number one, they believed they couldn't help themselves. Look here for a moment. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you cannot help yourself? Because until you get to the point in your life, until you come to the day when you say, I cannot do it, you'll never be saved. You will never be born again. You will never become a child of God. Your sins will never be washed away until you get to the point where you say, I can't do anything. And you wave the white flag of surrender. They knew they couldn't help themselves, but they also believed something else. They believed that Jesus could. Now, do you believe that? It's no good you believing that you can't help yourself if you don't believe that Jesus can. Do you believe that Jesus is powerful enough, strong enough, mighty enough to save your soul? Okay. But do you believe that he wants to? Do you believe that the character of Jesus Christ is of such character, of, of such goodness and approachableness that not only can he save you, he wants to save you. That makes all the difference in the world, you know. I talk to people all the time who say to me, I know that God can save me, but I don't know if he wants to. And I believe that Jesus could save me if he wanted to. But here were ten men. Not only did they believe that they couldn't save themselves, but they believed that Jesus could, and they believed that he would. Do you believe that tonight? And so, the Bible says in verse number 13, as Jesus entered into the village, 
they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I like this. It doesn't say they whispered. Jesus. Jesus. Did they bow their head in silent prayer? No, the Bible says they lifted their voices. They cried out because their life depended upon this man hearing their cry. They understood that if they did not cry out, if they did not plead with this man, if they did not get this opportunity, then they may never, ever be healed. Can I tell you tonight, until you and I get to the place where we recognize that this man, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ alone can save me, you'll never cry out to him. It might be why there are some tonight who have never been saved, because there's no real sense of their sin. Can you imagine if those ten men hanging out together were shooting marbles, and, and one man said, look, there's Jesus, he could save us, and the other said, ah, we're not that bad. After all, we've got some food here in our little compound and we've got marbles and we're having a grand old time. We've got one another. Hey, I know you've lost an ear or two, but it's not so bad. Can I tell you one of the greatest problems in the world today is that the majority of humanity has no sense of their sin. No sense of it. Are you listening? Most people have no idea how dark their heart is how wicked their character and disposition is, how corrupt their nature is. Most people have no idea. And they really think, when it comes to the end of the day, they really think they're not that bad. And that's why people don't really cry out to God. And by the way, there is a kind of Christianity today that's not real. It's not real because it does not make people aware of the darkness of their own nature, the brokenness of their own condition. And because people are not aware of it, they could take or leave Jesus. Jesus is just an addition to their busy life. He's just like an ornament they place on their Christmas tree. He's a lovely addition a couple of times during the week. But he isn't their Lord and Master. Can I just say to you tonight, if you do not intend on following Jesus Christ, if you do not intend on Him being your Lord and your Master, then do not deceive yourself by making some little prayer and thinking that you've become a child of God. Do you understand? Are you aware? Do you have a sense of your sin? Do you have a sense of your need? Do you recognize the urgency of it all that if you don't lay hold on this man and he doesn't lay hold on you, you will never, never, never be saved? Most people are not alive to their own weakness and helplessness. J.C. Ryle once said, if we could only see our souls the same way that these ten men saw their bodies, we would pray a lot more fervently. If we could only see our souls the way these men saw their bodies. You see, their bodies were a, were a vivid picture, a vivid example of what their soul was. I'm reminded of what uh, John prayed for one of his friends in the last chapters of the Bible. 
John writes one John, two John, and three John. But he says in his third letter there, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Now that's a prayer. Can you imagine if God granted that prayer? Can you imagine if God prospered your wallet in accordance to your soul? How rich would you be? Let's take it a step further. What if God prospered your physical health in direct correlation with your spiritual health? How strong would you be? If your face and your body was a vivid outward picture of the condition and health of your soul, I wonder how pretty you'd be. I wonder how healthy you'd be. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Christian, when's the last time you prayed fervently? When's the last time you prayed desperately? When's the last time you cried aloud, coming to the end of yourself, coming to the end of your own abilities, and all that you can, laying hold on the Savior? Now watch his response. The Bible says in verse 14, when he saw them, can I tell you tonight, he sees you. Jesus sees you right where you are tonight. He sees the condition that you are in. And the Bible says here, when he saw them, he said unto them, go, show yourselves unto the high priests. I wonder, what does Jesus Christ see in your heart tonight? What does he see in you? Does he see a desire to be changed? Does Jesus see inside of you tonight a hunger and a longing and a thirsting to be something different than you are right now? Jesus saw them. And he gives this answer. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he responds, go and show yourself. Now, I'm reminded of the number of times that this is the exact same way that God deals with other people in the scripture. Do you remember when Naaman the prophet, Naaman went to visit the prophet of the Old Testament? Naaman was a great war leader and he visited this little prophet of Israel and the prophet wouldn't even come out to see him and his response to him as Naaman came recognizing his condition of leprosy again, the, the prophet's response was this, go wash yourself seven times in the river. And Naaman was irate. I don't want you to tell me to go wash. I want you to come and wave a magic wand. What about the time?